0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everyone, and welcome to No Script, No Problem here on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals, do you believe? No Script, No Problem is the show that takes you behind the curtain of unscripted television like never before with insight from some of the best in the business of reality television, documentary series, competition shows, social experiment, game shows and much more. From the Kardashians to Shark Tank to Queer Eye to Naked and Afraid to Married at First Sight, if it's unscripted, we'll get into it. I'm your host Steve Burkwitz. I'm a 15-year veteran producer of unscripted television with shows like Extreme Makeover Home Edition, BattleBots, OutDaughtered, The Rachel Zoe Project and Pros versus Joes among my credits. Each week, I talk to my colleagues and talent who have made reality TV and game shows not just something you watch on TV, but a cultural phenomenon. Now, if you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate the show. It's available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can also find it on Believe.com and at Believe Podcasts. And you can follow me on Twitter at Steve Berkowitz and Instagram at Steve M. Berkowitz. If you're interested in advertising on this show, please contact Bleave at Bleeve.com. Okay, after that amazing introduction, let's get started. Today, my guest is a very talented network executive producer. She directs, she does everything, folks. She's currently the Vice President of Unscripted Development and Programming at Lifetime and has also produced such shows as Little Women, Real Housewives of New Jersey, and Seven
1: Year Switch. Please welcome... Kat Rodriguez. Hello. That was quite an intro. What, what I like more than the intro are your shoes. Can we oh.
0: talk about those? Yeah, these are Greek freak ones, you know. Uh, Giannis <laughs> has his first signature shoe out this year.
1: Very impressive. Thank you. You know you know, I'm a sneakerhead. I didn't know that. Really? But now I do. Now you do. I'm yes. going to pay attention all the time now. <laughs> But I feel like these are really giving me like party vibes. Well, good. I I, I wore these specifically to kind of amp up the energy in the mm-hmm, room. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm feeling
0: it. Good, mm-hmm. good. Okay. Well, cool. So, um, thank you for sending me all the information about you yes. last night. Okay, just trying to help out. Oh, outstanding! Especially the article from your from your university, yeah, California State uh, University Northridge. Yeah. Okay, I loved that you meant that they mentioned um, that you were inspired by Hitchcock. Mm-hmm. Okay, and what kind of sparked my curiosity is so how do you go from being inspired by Alfred Hitchcock to get into the entertainment industry, and end up producing like me? I'm not I'm producing reality television. Uh, being at Lifetime, producing reality television. I, I, I admit, you know, look, my inspiration was being a sports guy like Dan Patrick or even going into news like Edward R. Murrow. How do you go from
1: Hitchcock to reality TV? That's a very good question. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. So I came up to L.A. to study film, and I was intrigued by the film industry i um was going to see sun i was interning at Lakeshore. i was um waitressing at the house of blues and you know as you're going to film school you're thinking how do i crack into the business i'm taking classes on cinematography and screenwriting and i really think i am going to write a movie and i'm going to be So successful in film. Absolutely. But then... (laughs) Of course, there's always a but then. Yeah. Yes. So I'm waitressing at the House of Blues, and I see this girl, uh, Diana April, now Schmidemann. Okay. And I walked over to her, and I complimented her on her jeans. What she was doing (laughs) was setting up to film Blind Date in a booth at the House of Blues. Wow. So we start talking, and I tell her I'm going to film school, and how do I get in, and... um. I'm really looking for a PA job. And she says, oh, my boyfriend, now husband, Patrick. Okay. Um, my boyfriend can hire you. He always hires PAs. He's working on some big live events. Or not live. He's working on big award shows. Okay. Um, and he was staffing up for VH1's uh, music awards. And she's like, give me your phone number. We'll work it out. Patrick called me the very next day. Of course. Everybody needs PAs. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> And he hired me, and it was basically the beginning. I started working um, on tons of award shows for MTV, VH1, and then that sucked me into working on, um, what was next after that? I did a game show called Kidnapped. Oh. (laughs) Oh, my God. I loved working at MTV. It was so much fun, I know tons of people. We all came up through the ranks. And I look at it as production high school slash boot camp. 1999 and 2000, I was P.E.A. on and off on those shows. Did Kidnapped. I was on Kidnapped and realized. What was the premise of Kidnapped? So basically, um, people, you know, like, I can't even call them the hosts, but people would come in and kidnap air quotes, kidnap a kid, bring them to <laughs> a teenager, oh, 20 wow. year old okay. something, um, and bring them to the shiny floor competition. Got it. And then that person would have to endure you know, getting in a tank of spiders or whatever while their friends were trying to save them by answering questions. So they'd have to answer questions in order to save their friend out of these horrible scenarios. Scenarios. Yeah. Sounds fun. Yes. Sounds fun. What I realized is (sighs) I'm not really a game show person. Okay. Which is good. You got to learn stuff like that early on. Okay.
0: Um, What what didn't you like about game shows? Because I'm curious.
1: I remember we were coming up with questions to to test the kids with. Yeah. And one of the questions was, this isn't the only reason why, but one of the questions was, who is the vice president of the United States? (laughs) And the producer said, no, no, that's too hard. You got to dumb it down. No joke. Wow. (laughs) That's, um... Okay. I was like, oh, okay, okay. All right. (laughs) I was thinking, I don't really like game shows. I need to work on something that I love. And at the time, Six Feet Under had just ended season one. Right. And so I reached out to an agent friend of mine who got me an interview at Six Feet Under season two. Okay. Got hired as a PA there. Best job ever. I bet. So I worked on season two of that. Then I went on to commercials for a while. Worked in commercials for about a year. Worked my way up to coordinator.
0: You're all over the place. Yeah. And I was
1: really enjoying seeing all different kinds of production. And when I was in commercials, I worked in art department. I worked in wardrobe. I mean, I helped with craft service. (laughs) It was so fun. Okay.
0: So you know everything that should be on the spread. Yeah. When it comes to coming on set, all the foods, the drinks, right? Yes. Is there anything specific that you make sure is always at Crafty?
1: Something that was kind of amazing is in commercials, there's tons more money, obviously. Obviously. So there would be tray pass. So in between takes, there's someone walking around with parfait. Really? Or like fresh baked cookies. Interesting. Times have changed. Oh, yes. (laughs) Yes.
0: (laughs) You're lucky... In reality, they're lucky if there is crafty. Sometimes.
1: Yeah, I have some horrifying PA stories that we can get to later if we have time. Sure, but um, you know, one of them included painting a um, a room completely. It was like an army barracks, right? Had to c- paint the room completely, and then after the shoot, paint it back. <laughs> so I was there probably uh, eighteen hours, yeah. midnight in my overalls, sweating. Of course. Of course. <laughs> it's crazy. Always
0: overnight. <laughs> yeah. Yes.
1: Yes. So, after a after I realized that in commercials someone basically has to die or quit the business for you to move up. Yeah. I said I'm going back to reality.
0: Which is funny that you then <laughs> someone has to die or quit and then you say I'm going to go from commercials back to reality. Okay. Yes. That that perfect. Yep. Yes. Okay. Got
1: a job on Punked. As a coordinator, amazing. MTV, amazing, and then that um, led to working with Jason um, Goldberg, Goldberg, right? Who gave me an AP job. So after after working as an AP, yeah, yeah, yeah. I um, got. Hired by Calissa Miller. I
0: know Calissa. In my
1: first field producer position. Which was the season, uh, season one of Next. Oh, yes.
0: Next is a classic dating show. Yes. If anyone has never seen Next, they really need to at least watch one episode to kind of understand kind of how awful people can be to each other. (laughs) Kind of explain the format or the concept behind Next because it's that old kind of stripped format at MTV dating shows, that's kind of brilliant, half brilliant, half just
1: like cringe television. So there's the person who is the dater, and that dater, say it's a girl. Yes, she has a bus. Basically, it's like a tour bus. Yes, full of men that want to date her, of course. and they're all sitting. Um, on the bus talking about, ooh, how badly they want to get this date. They can't wait to meet a girl. They're talking about all the kinds of girls that they like and who they've dated.
0: There were always these kind of half-clever, half-super-cheesy lines. Mm
1: -hmm. I hate to break it to you, but we had a comedian on set. I'm not surprised. Should I not reveal that? I don't know. We had a writer-comedian on set every day so that if the... 20-year-olds did not have good enough lines, we could throw them lines. Okay.
0: You just broke my heart. I'm so
1: sorry. Anyway, continue. It was so much fun, though. So the bus pulls up to the dater at a dating location, TBD, and one guy gets off, introduces himself, and the dater can say, hey, oh, yeah, I do want to date you. Or they could say, next, and that person has to get back on the bus. It was kind of like Tinder, it's kind of like way, Tinder in real life. Way before Tinder. Yes, that's exactly right. You had no idea. I had no idea. Yeah. Breaking ground. Exactly. Um. So did so. I did a lot of dating shows after that. First two seasons of Parental Control, date my mom. All like parental control went forever. Forever. So
0: having done a bunch of dating shows, right? What for you makes a good dating show? Because obviously there's from The Bachelor to Married at First Sight. We have so
1: many now, 90 Day Fiance. What makes a good dating show? Right now, I feel that there needs to be stakes involved, especially for Lifetime. And it doesn't get any higher. uh, There aren't any higher stakes than Married at First Sight. I mean, you're marrying a complete stranger sight unseen. So how do you top that now? Yeah. Um, 90 Day Fiance does a good job because there are stakes. Sure. Um, ticking next, clock. Yeah. Yeah. Ticking clock. Next, date my mom. No stakes. Right. Do you think? <laughs> which, which means also yeah. for Lifetime dating shows are really hard. And every time people come in with a dating show, I always work overtime and trying to figure out how we can make this work for Lifetime but it's so hard because you're competing with Married at First yeah. Sight. How do you get better than that? I mean, Married at First Sight is basically a dating show, but they're getting married sure. at the very beginning. Yeah. Right. And then they're getting to know each other.
0: It's almost more of a, it's more of a relationship show as opposed to like what we would call a dating show, right? Mhm. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I bet some of the couples that get married wish they could say next.
0: <laughs> oh, I'm sure. I watched so in preparation for this, I did watch I watched an episode of the new season and Yeah. Um, You could tell, like, literally on the honeymoon.
1: Completely. Yes, And I feel for them. Yes. Because you know. I mean, think about season one of Married at First Sight. Doug and Jamie, I mean, it's the classic story where, and this is why the series continues to be successful, because of the precedent that they set in that first season. Yeah. Jamie sees Doug at the end of the aisle. And you can tell that she's like, ooh, I don't know. You know, just first sight, you don't know if you like this person. Absolutely. And you could tell that she's uneasy because it's not the normal person she would go for. Then you see them fall in love by actually getting to know each other, which is perfection for that show. And now they are still together with kids. And, like, now everyone—that's set the bar, right? So now everyone wants that. And you keep thinking— maybe one of these couples is going to do a turn, you know, maybe the couple in the beginning that doesn't really seem like they're flowing might fall in love. Right. And that's what keeps you
0: interested. So you talk about next, which is very kind of like frivolous, very kind of just a fun dating show. And now you do have shows like Married at First Sight. You did, you produced seven year switch, which Mm -hmm. again,
1: social experiment meets dating, the stakes are very high in seven-year switch. Their relationship is at stake. It's couples that have been together a really long time, and they don't know if they want to be with this person anymore. So the social experiment is they we take four couples, and they switch partners. They live with someone else's spouse who is going through the same thing that they are, unsure in their relationship, and... Within the two weeks that they live together, they're living in an experimental marriage. They act as if this is their real partner. Right. But they go on dates and they do activities and things like that. Um, But they also have experts there to guide them through the process. Well, in the end of the experience, they decide on whether they're going to stay with their partner or move on. So super high stakes. Right. Um, so, again, it's hard for us to do shows that there are no stakes. I do love shows. I love dating shows. I watched an episode of Flirty Dancing the other day and absolutely loved it. Really? Yeah. Interesting. It was so fun.
0: It's very different. Mm-hmm. Shot very differently. It's a British for- British format. You know, very different tone. Um, where I was going with that is you do have shows like Flirty Dancing, which do have a different tone. You even have The Bachelor, which has this fantasy element that you can meet, you know, fall in love, you know, in a quicker period of time. But you do have the shows like Seven Year Switch or Mary for Sai, which have more of a grounded relationship element where, yes, it's a very different scenario, but you follow the process that, like you said, you meet somebody, you don't know if you fall in love with them, but then there's the process of, do, can it, can you make it work? Do you think that it's the same viewer, that can appreciate those two elements, whether it's a fantasy element in The Bachelor, a fun element on Next, and then the kind of more serious element on Married for Sight, or is it two different audiences?
1: I think there's lots of different ways to do relationship slash dating shows. And I think that, you know, some people need stakes, some people don't. And I think that what we're all looking for are relatable stories. Yeah. And that is something that we always tell people when they're pitching us at Lifetime. Our audience wants relatable stories. So what we do well are shows in the relationship space. And that's not necessarily all romance, right? It right. could be family. It could be siblings. It could be friends. Yeah. But what people want to get out of that is they want to see themselves. Sure. And they want to be able to relate and connect with others.
0: That makes sense. Yeah. And then you you do have shows like Netflix is now, you know, with Dating Around and they have Love is Blind, which is coming out. Do shows like that, you know, the streamers were kind of transitioning Do those, uh, are those on your radar as like those are types of shows that we're competing against? Or do you guys kind of see yourselves as we're competing against ourselves or we're competing against TLC? Do you worry about what Netflix is doing, some of the streamers?
1: Um, I don't see it as a competition. I think that Lifetime does what it does well. And I don't think that Married at First Sight is, compet- is competing with Love is Blind. I think those are different types okay. of shows. Um, we have limited hours at Lifetime for Unscripted because it really is a movie network. Sure. yeah. And so when we do Unscripted, it really needs to stand out. If we had all the hours in the day, it sure. would be a lot easier. Yeah. Um, but it needs to be bold. It needs to be loud. And most of our shows are premiering at 9, 10 o'clock at night. Right. So we have to think about that when we're buying as well.
0: So now that you're a Lifetime, you are overseeing Super Nanny, Marrying Millions, and Little Women Atlanta. Atlanta. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, Super Nanny being one of the many reboots out there, tell me a little bit about why there was a decision to bring back Super Nanny at this point and maybe some of the changes that have been made uh, from the original.
1: So, Super Nanny was brought back because there is a need for more close-ended content. We would love to build out more hours of unscripted, and the way you do that is close-ended, stack and repeat. Right. So, Super Nanny um, was chosen because Rob Sherinow really wanted to bring it back because it's a known IP. Bring back Joe Frost, who is you know already has a built-in audience. Right. And that is, um, that is a better chance of building in more audience when you have a known identity. Um, and so the reboot that we chose to do, or the... The version that we chose to do is a more authentic version. Okay. We, uh, in what way? We steered away from the campy, over the top, like pulling up in the little British taxi. Sure. And yes, um, she's in the buttoned up suit and she um, comes in and just tells you what to do. This is a more accessible version of Joe Frost. She drives herself to the house. She is in more of what she would normally wear. But she definitely is an expert. Um, But I think that this version is a much more authentic version. Okay. So it feels a little bit more docu versus, you know, campy formatted show. Why is now a good time? I mean,
0: obviously the formatted element and the repeatable element works for Lifetime. But in terms of society and in terms of our culture... Why is now a good time for Super Nanny?
1: Well, it's been, I believe, seven years since it was on. And since that time, technology has taken over. Sure, And people are using iPads, phones, whatever they can to basically babysit their kids while they try and do their own tasks. Technology is one thing, okay? It's a good one. But also what I think and what I went into this series thinking or explaining expressing is we are disconnected as a society. Parents are disconnected from their kids, families are disconnected from other uh friends and family. Yeah. We either have our face in our phone or we're just trying to, you know, pay the bills, working multiple jobs. And I think that there is a need to bring people back together people to connect with their friends and family, to put down the phone and look each other in the face and be present. And Jo helps people do that. She comes in. She assesses. She basically has an observation day the first day. She watches what the habits are. And what I've noticed in every household, what they're lacking is structure. Most of them need a schedule for the kids and to not rely on the iPad. Once you have a schedule, then you can plan better to take time for yourself or give the kids something to do. Um, I also love that she gets to the kids level or even, you know, just sitting with the parents face-to-face and looks you in the face and connects with you. I think it's so important, and we don't have a lot of that right now. Sure, Um, And so she connects with the parents and she also goes and sits down with the children and talks to them like they're real people, which I think people forget to do (laughs) Sure,
0: Um,
1: and talk, you know, ask them what's going on and she gets their perspective. And um, I think that's, that part is valuable, making everyone feel seen and heard.
0: This sounds like something I could use. (laughs) Do you think Joe could help me in
1: my life? I just feel like she could help structure. I think you should watch the show. Okay. There's a lot of takeaway.
0: Right. I, wa- <laughs> I did watch an episode. No, it, it does feel more docu-style. Mm-hmm. Uh, it feels uh, more authentic than what the, the previous incarnation uh, was. So I, yeah, I, I definitely noticed that.
1: And sometimes she will confront the parents, and, and sometimes they have a hard time with that. And it's because you need someone to wake you up. And she comes in and helps people just wake up and see what's going on because you get so um, busy on the treadmill of life that you forget to look around.
0: Marrying Millions yes. okay, is a wild, wild show. Big characters. You got very wealthy people dating not-so-wealthy people. Um, I watched, I watched an episode, and again, it's... There's a, there's a level of cringeworthiness. What is it that, you know, you really like about uh, Marrying Millions? And what do you feel like the audience is enjoying about the show?
1: It begs the question of, is this for love or money, right? You wonder if these relationships are real. And these are real relationships. Sharp cast these couples. We did not put them together at all. They're real couples. And you can tell when you watch it. They're authentic. Um What I love about the show and what I think works really well is that it is not only fish out of water for both sides, right? For the wealthy person to go into the other person's world and vice versa. Um, But it's also a bit of the upstairs, downstairs. You have, I mean, it's like upstairs, downstairs within every relationship. So it's rich with content just You know, watching the couple in their lives, combining lives, but then also getting, I don't want to say feedback, um, also getting the perspective from all their friends and family. So we're bringing and Millions back this year. Nice. And we're returning two couples and then we're casting. Brand new ones. Yep. Brand new ones. And it is such a fun show. I think what is so great about reality television is that you get a glimpse into other people's lives that you wouldn't normally get to see. And just seeing how these um, people live and come together, what do they do in a relationship? What do they do with their families? It's fascinating. And you can do, I mean, I I love the fact
0: that you can watch Marrying Millions. You can watch uh, Extreme Makeover, Home Edition. You can watch Survivor, three completely different shows, and it's all the same genre, or we can work on three different shows and it's all the same genre.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Before I got into television, I wanted to be a psychologist. <laughs> I think so many people in reality. Oh, yes. Of course. Felt the same way. My dad was a
0: shrink. And so, of course, that's where I inherited this love for interviewing people.
1: I <laughs> did not know that. <laughs> did you get psychoanalyzed all throughout your childhood? What do you think? Isn't it obvious? Did it bother you? Oh,
0: yeah. Let, let's, Steve, let's continue. Steve, how did it make you
1: feel? <laughs> oh, wow.
0: This is for another time. We'll do this over <laughs> drinks sometime. We can talk about
1: my issues. Let's analyze your issues yeah. right here and now. This is an intervention. <laughs> yeah. Okay.
0: All right. Where, where's that? Is everybody coming in now? Is, yeah. Is
1: my family right outside? Yeah. Yep.
0: Um, So, now, turning to the serious now, I'm just kidding. Oh, geez. Um, So, much has been made of kind of the decline of, you know, broadcast nets and linear networks, right? So, um, you know, because of the streaming wars, you know, we have Netflix and Amazon and Hulu and now Apple Plus and Disney Plus and soon-to-come Peacock and HBO Max and Quibi um, and an article... I just read CBS Viacom will eventually have theirs, um, their streaming service. Um, networks like AMC were down 22% in ratings in uh, 2019. USA, you know, which has been historically tremendous in the ratings, was down 18%. Lifetime stayed relatively the same, right? No change. How do you guys try to maintain the ratings? What are the discussions like about ratings now With this kind of hysteria over the decline of cable
1: um well first of all we do have streaming content um, and that will get built up more and more as we go so i do think that we can stay in the game i think what is the most important thing is when you have a business you have to have a brand i was thinking about this with influencers and on instagram and wherever If you have a solid brand, you will have a solid following. So Lifetime has a solid brand. And it comes from... I agree
0: completely. It
1: comes from the movies, right? So people come to Lifetime for the soapy relationships, whether that is romance, finding love, deception, (laughs) my husband's secret life. Uh, The titles are the best. You know what I mean? Yes. (laughs) Yes. I love the title. So people know what Lifetime is and what to expect. That even includes, you know, Married at First Sight, also Surviving R. Kelly. It's about relationships, and we can get to that. Yeah, I was going to say. But Lifetime has this brand, so people are going to stay watching. And our job is to be more available via um, streaming on our app, or other places like Hulu Live, which is a new thing. So you Got can it. watch Lifetime in other areas, but we still exist in a linear space right now.
0: So as we now add all these different networks and services, what do you think is going to be kind of the key to survival or trying to kind of stay at the top, keep your head above the water um, with you know with so many different platforms?
1: I think being available as much as possible, making it easy for the yeah, viewer.
0: I complete, I completely agree.
1: Yeah. I think people watch Netflix a lot because it's easy. I you have 100%. the app, you put it on, and there it is. It's not put in well, it's put in the it's put in the password first. <laughs> Hold on. (laughs) Remembering the password. Hold on. Yes. (laughs) Once you put the password in, you don't have to keep doing it. Right. I know that some you have to keep putting in the password. Like when you have cable and you're signing into an app and you got to remember your password every time, that drives me crazy.
0: (laughs) I have too many passwords as is.
1: Yeah. I want to put on the TV and I want to hit the app and I want it to come open. Simplicity. It seems, right? But some people yes. don't do that. No, I know. Um, and I do like that AE has made a deal with Hulu Live. I think that makes it a lot it's, more accessible.
0: Yes, I would agree. And that's the key, right? In terms of accessibility and availability, you know what you're getting at Lifetime. Um, have things changed since surviving R. Kelly and people
1: knowing or coming to Lifetime for a different reason or a different
0: audience coming there?
1: Shows like Surviving R. Kelly are a tentpole event. We do two to three a year. We definitely have more attention and viewers because of Surviving R. Kelly. Um, And we will continue to deliver on that front. We're bringing um, Surviving Jeffrey Epstein. Right. And, um, you know, More in the Works, TVD. But also we do specials that can be linked to movies. And real-life stories made into a Lifetime movie. So I think that if we keep building on both angles, right, if we keep building on the surviving R. Kelly, Epstein side, and then also marrying millions, Married at First Sight, we've got two really strong genres to build up and continue to deliver to new viewers and current viewers. As a producer,
0: you know, you produced shows prior to coming to lifetime you produced for a lifetime and as a showrunner there's stress and pressure to deliver get ratings for the network now being on the other side as a network executive you want great ratings in order to be successful and you know uh, keep your job essentially which has more pressure which is tougher being the showrunner trying to deliver the you know as we both know tons of hours you're in the bay you're in the field trying to deliver that great show for the network now you're on the other side and you're pressuring you're pushing the showrunner and the, and the other and the show and the company the production company to give you that great product that great product so that your
1: bosses at the network are happy which is which is tougher or what's the difference um there's definitely a big difference i think being a showrunner is a lot harder Um, working in the field and post day-to-day is so challenging. Yes, it is. (laughs) It is the hardest job. And so for me on the network side, I understand and can be compassionate um, to what they're doing, but I also have a lot of pressure. It's not as much pressure, I feel, Um, And maybe that's because I've done that job and I know it in and out. Um, There is a lot of pressure on my side because I am responsible for these shows and I cannot deliver them under the quality that I would make them myself. So I like to collaborate and be... um, Hands on with the producers. I'm not going to micromanage. I hopefully don't have to do that, but I am definitely collaborating so that I can make sure that the product is up to par. And then I am responsible for it and have to answer to Gina and Rob and everyone else and sit in a room with my peers and say, I put my stamp on this show and it's great.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's similar in that, but. I'm sure your mentality is a little different, right? Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. I think one of the reasons it's not as challenging is because I don't have to deal with the day-to-day of locations falling out and talent getting upset and all of that. I'm so grateful for the producers on the ground that deal with that because I get it. (laughs) Boy, do I get it. (laughs) Of course. Um, I'm sure
0: you don't miss that. I can't believe it. (laughs)
1: I just yeah. want to like hold their hand and hug them through it, but I'm real happy to not be there. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, you're not you're not like missing those like those desperate phone calls from
1: field producers. Oh my god, cat, this restaurant fell through. They won't let us in. I actually don't mind those. I really like to mentor people. I really like to teach people what I've learned, and yeah. so. I think, as a showrunner, I I love talking to the field producers. I love guiding them yeah. through story and problems and all of that. I think the hardest part for me was always um, dealing with cast when they just oh, yes. wouldn't show up, and they don't understand that that costs thousands of dollars, um, you know, or just get really angry over things that are small. <laughs> No, no. Life's too short. Yes. I, my no. favorite saying is, it's not that deep. <laughs> we can keep moving. We're not going to fall apart. It's, it's going to be all right. It's
0: just reality television.
1: <laughs> right? Location fell out. Well, that's why we have backups. Always have to have the backup location. Always.
0: Always. So... Let's end this with just talking about some things that are on right now and maybe some things that are coming up on Lifetime or something that's on Lifetime that everybody should watch. I just saw the limited doc series on Netflix. Don't fuck with cats.
1: It is one of the best things on television. It
0: blew me away. It's somewhat like disturbing, but I think everybody should see it. It's three parts and it's, about online sleuths who get kind of wrapped up in this crazy world following a guy or girl, I won't give it away, who's doing some pretty de- devious things and not to use a pun, but it's cut in a very cat and mouse style way. Wouldn't you agree? Yes, that's very well put. Um, and I think I found the storytelling to be very dynamic and you're really following along as if you're on the trail with these sleuths.
1: It's reveal after reveal. Yeah. When I I first started watching it, I did not know what it was about. I just had heard a bunch of people saying, oh, you got to watch this. And so it starts off with this woman who works for the casinos, I believe, in Las Vegas. And she's um, on the computer all day long, and she is talking about the dark web and how anything can happen on the dark web. But there's an unspoken rule of, you don't fuck with cats. And so she... And some other people noticed a YouTube video of someone fucking with cats.
0: Which you don't do. And then
1: it lit the internet on fire. Right. And that is the cat and mouse chase right. that begins. And it takes you all over the world. Right. And it is absolutely fascinating. We're it, not going to give anything away. Not going to give anything away. But the, I think
0: one of the more amazing things is that I didn't know the story. I didn't either. Which is, to me... Some of the best documentaries I always find is when I, I don't, you're, you go, how did I not know this? Yeah. And this was one of those stories where I kept going, wait, this all happened and I had no clue. So I, I found it, you know, very compelling and I would certainly recommend
1: that. I agree. Can I just say also one thing? My fiance works on Project Blue Book. Okay. Wow. And they are, um, What's today? They just started premiering season two okay. on History Channel. History Channel, yeah. What that show is about is... Um, in the 19, 1950s, people were seeing UFOs. The government formed a organization called Project Blue Book that was to basically debunk all of the sightings. Tell people it's okay. Aliens don't exist. UFOs don't exist. And um, they recruited J. Allen Hynek to basically come in with the Air Force, with an Air Force colonel, um, and go to all the spots of the sightings and calm the masses. Okay. Tell them, you didn't see anything. It was a weather balloon. It's fine. <laughs> calm down. Relax. Nothing to see here. <laughs> but the best part is that Jay Allen Hynek started this process um, a skeptic. Okay. And he ended a believer. Wow. And so every episode is a new case. That is real. That is based in facts. Okay, cool. So when you watch every episode, you're like, "God, did that really happen?" And you go online and sometimes the truth was worse. Really? <laughs> yes. I'm now you've got me hooked. It's fascinating. Okay. So my fiancé always tells me the stuff that, you know, is the truth. Nice. And um, it is mind-blowing. Okay. It's a government cover-up. <laughs> what should we be watching on Lifetime? Um, definitely look out for Marrying Millions coming up um, spring TBD. Okay. And Super Nanny, I really i am so proud of the show. Good. I think it is amazing. I learn so much from every episode. I cannot even tell you. I just love it so much, and I think Joe is amazing, and I think Shed is amazing. They are a phenomenal production company to work with. Um, Little Women Atlanta—we're turning up the dial this season. Oh boy. Get ready, more twerking, more, more music, oh. okay, and some surprises.
0: That's I'm uh, I'm in. Those girls are so fun. Yes. Well, Kat, thank you for being here and dealing with me and um, <laughs> talking about. <laughs> unscripted television with me on this Saturday.
1: I really like hanging out with you, Steve. Thank Uh, you for having me. You're the best. (laughs) All right.
0: Uh, Okay. Well, thanks, everybody, for uh, being here for another edition of No Script, No Problem. Uh, If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate the show. It's available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can also find it on Bleeve.com and at Believe Podcasts. And you can follow me on Twitter at Steve Berkowitz and Instagram at Steve M Berkowitz. Please remember to rate it with five stars and write a question if you have one so I can answer it on the show. If you're interested in advertising on this show, please contact Bleeve at Bleeve.com. Thank you to Mike DeLay and Real Voice LA for use of this studio. And thank you for listening. Until next time, I'm Steve Berkowitz for No Script, No Problem. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.